Nice logo. It's got a little star. Hi. Hey, see, hello. Hello. How are you today? I am fantastic. How are you, hey. Tom? Yeah, I'm doing great. I like the little star in your logo that came on before oh, the uh, like a little blue, like a little blue star, like maybe teal. Mm -hmm. Teal, thank you. And I do it in red. Yep, you got it. I liked it. I liked that. I noticed that. Thank you. I said, nice logo. Well, hey, so here's a cool thing is Doug, my, my guy Doug, who will be here in a minute, has run into a numbers problem. <laughs> so, he's, uh, he is, so he is working on some numbers. And I told him, I said, if anyone would understand that, it would be Casey. So so he'll jump on in a little bit. and Whatever you need, Tom. Yay, awesome. It's your show. I like it. I like it. Are you working at Kanban back there? Kanban, what the sexy people call it? Right over your left What is shoulder? it? It's called, it's like, it looks, it's K-A-N-B-A-N. And it's, I've heard people pronounce it Kanban, like I do, a Southern boy, or Kanban. It's a beautiful visual representation of, of numbers to people, or really not numbers, more like the processes. And so as you do each thing, you take the sick, you know, they move over to the next, over to the next thing. It's something that all the fancy. That's people. very cool. I don't even know what that is, but very similarly so what that is back there that is the outline of the book that i just finished and is um getting published so it's so it's interesting yeah. that you brought that up so this developmental editing course that i took to help me write this book because god knows i never thought i was going to write a book so i don't really know where to begin it has you do this in terms of so every chapter like needs a theme it needs stories maybe it needs tools it needs different things so that's what the different colors mean okay and then as you put like those are my chapters across the top and as you kind of lay out your your teaching moments and like your stories you move them around because you're like oh this chapter has got like three teaching moments but not a story oh i need a story here and so it makes sure that every chapter has like everything that a reader really wants to see and so kind of similar to what you were just saying but that's what that exercise was for and even though the book is done like i just can't seem to take it down because that was like my blood sweat and tears for like 18 months yeah so I just keep it up there I'm so glad that I asked that. I read a book, Casey, as a book called The Rainmaker. And one of the things that he talked about in that book, he said, one of the things that you can you can determine when you're meeting with someone is if they put something that is facing you when you're talking to them, then it's okay to ask about it. If they put something that's not facing you, like a loved one's photograph or a saying or something that's that's in front of them, yeah. you're really not supposed to, or say not yeah. supposed to, not supposed to look at it. Have you ever heard of that? I just I no, saw like, but that's it, a great rule of thumb. It makes perfect sense. It is fun because I'm looking. I see Wonder Woman, which is a cool. I see, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not like snooping, you know, snooping around. Yeah, here I got, snoop away. Yeah, because if I took open mine book. out. You'll see if I took my video. Look at that. It looks like you're in a hotel. I love it. Uh, it is. It, this We call this the black room. That's oh my, <laughs> uh, my that wife color. designed it for Gorgeous. this kind of work. And yeah. uh, we have I have my little my little lab. She's asleep on the bed behind. Aww. So she wakes up. She's going to make. And I, I loved the response that you gave to me when you said there is nothing better you'd love to do than chew the fat over a restaurant business on a Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate so much taking a few minutes to do this. The quick backstory with this is that through my travels, I've met so many wonderful, amazing people that at the end of it, Casey, so many times I said to myself, if I could have only recorded that, 
I would so love to have been able to bring that to listen for my family to listen to it for my friends. And I've had some really, really amazing. I'm talking like like astronauts. I'm at the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. There's only been 15. Oh the th is so many of the people that I met are in our tribe in the food business. And invariably, there's two things that you'll, you'll find out from food people that they'll say something about food. <laughs> and if they're, you know, I mean, it's, it's just like runners and vegetarians. They're going to tell you, it doesn't matter. So, so Casey, what I'd love to do is to, to listen. Why don't we start with a episode one, maybe a, even a 101 or origin story of who is Casey Anton? Sure. So Casey Anton, born and raised in Connecticut. You know where that oh, is? I, it's north of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in New England, little little state, New England. So born and raised in Old Saber, Connecticut. Um, for some reason, my I had this passion for the restaurant industry since I was very, very, very young. I remember making. Um, you know, we had like a dining room in our little cape house and never used other than Christmas and Thanksgiving, never, ever used. So throughout the year, every once in a while, I throw like these miniature dinner parties for my parents. Again, like when I was like nine, 10 years old and I kind of learned how to cook, like, you know, heat up frozen stuff or whatever and serve them and just love the whole thing about serving and food and restaurant business. And, uh, my parents were like, that's great, but you're not going to go into the restaurant business. Like, there's no way. Like, there's just no, there's, you know, it's hard. It's grueling. It's long hours. It's on your feet. Like, be a lawyer, be a doctor. You know, they didn't, they didn't want to do it. I'm like, oh, all right. I mean, and to hear that messaging at a very young age, you, you take it to heart, right? You're like, oh, I really like this, but okay. So fast forward, I go to the University of Rhode Island because even I was still in restaurants, I started working in restaurants at 14. So I worked in them the whole time. But my parents, again, their voices in my head just saying, listen, you're not going to get a hotel restaurant degree. Like you're not like you're not going to end up in this business. So do something else. Work there on the side to make an extra money. Right. OK, so I graduate with a business and marketing degree from University of Rhode Island. And the very first job I get is with the chart house, which at, at the time it's a little different now because I think it's, it's been bought out. But it was a very high end um, seafood and steakhouse. So this was back in 1995. And um, they only built their their uh, restaurants in resort areas. So it started in it started in Aspen, Colorado. Then they were in Hawaii, California. And then they were near me in Newport, Rhode Island. Boston, Long Wharf, et cetera. So I, I took a job there at, in their um, CHAMP program. So for Chart House Administrative Management Program, it doesn't exist because I looked it up. I put this part in the book, right? So I get a job there and you start out as a dishwasher. So here I am with a, with a bachelor's degree in business and marketing. And I am literally washing dishes at the chart house. They moved me from Newport to Boston, didn't know a, a single soul in Boston. And I'm Working at 7 a.m., doing dishes. I learned how to uh, butcher fish and meat, prep the salads. Like you learn everything and you work 100 hours a week and whatever. And so from there, I got into the restaurant industry, like the small boutique restaurants in Boston and culminating in me owning restaurants in Boston. And that was the best of times. And it was the worst of times, as many restaurateurs can attest to. So um, I did all that. That was the first, you know. 35 years of my life. And then um, I had got married and had my son and realized I kind of need to check out. It's really hard to be a first, you know, a first time mom and married, have a baby. It's just, it was just too hard. And I try to figure out, okay, what can I do next? So, um, you know, I took an inventory of my skill set and really come to find out in the restaurant business. Like I love every, I love every piece of it. 
but I was really good with the numbers. And that's kind of a rarity in restaurants, right? But I had to be good with them because again, we went from making a lot of money and spending it all to making no money and learning how to take $1 and turn it into 10. Uh, spoiler alert, you can't, but I tried. Um, I tried very hard. Even if you pour water on it, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't. does not grow. But I learned, and really, in the end, I learned how to watch every single dollar as it came to my restaurant. And I watched where it worked its way through and where it left to try and figure out how to keep as much as I could just to keep the lights on for as long as I could. So that was a skill set was really understanding cash flow in the numbers. And so I took that. And uh, after I sold the restaurant, had my son, um, some of the, some of the chefs that I had worked with said, Hey, I'm going to open up my little place over here in the South end. Can you help me? Oh, sure. Yeah. turns out. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Help them get set up. And then that was just a little bit of work. One of them had a girlfriend. She was an interior designer. Hey, she, she sucks that money. Can you help my girlfriend over here? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about interior design. Let me see. I go talk with her and it turns out two plus two equals four, even in that business. And then from there, she had contractors and painters or whatever. Same math, same math. Same money and same math everywhere. So I ended up just growing what I have now, Spark Business Consulting. I help all kinds of industries. Restaurants are my love and my biggest division, but I have all kinds. And really, it's just about following the money and telling my clients, the business owners, the real story about what's going on in their business. Because I'm telling you, that one happening in their head is not the real story. So we, we bridge that gap between what they think is going on from being the one running it and operating it every single day to what the numbers are really saying and then getting them on a better path so they can truly build the business of their dreams. That is such a, a, a wonderful story to hear because so many of the restaurateurs and, and even just the operators that, that I work with, candidly, it comes down often to, hey, I, had an, I have money left over at the end of the month. We must have done okay. Right. Right and wrong, right? Like that's yes. the mindset. That is not accurate at all. Nor is just looking at your PL, your profit and loss. Mm -hmm. And I remember because my partners and I, when I was in the restaurants, before I really grasped money, would do that. We would look at the bottom of the PL, you know, that was closed out. So it was, you know, three weeks later, maybe. And if it was a positive number, yay, high fives all around. And, you know, let's go to New York City and, you know, all expenses paid. Or if it was negative, ooh. Okay, well, we better try harder to get more sales, more butts in the seats. Neither was accurate. <laughs> like neither was accurate. <laughs> but that's what that's all we knew, and that's what we did. And the, you know, the true matter is, it's cash flow and profit, especially which no business can survive without profit, isn't something on a piece of paper at the bottom of a PL. It is money in a bank account you point to and you call it profit. Hmm. Big difference. That is so. Do you feel? that that was a, a book, did the, kind of your mindset about the restaurateur, did it move more towards bookkeeping or do you feel like it was knowing your numbers and knowing how the numbers tell the story to you and to your partners and how it, how it translates into dollar bills in the bank? Well, you can't have one without the other. So as it turns okay. out, like it's it really, like the biggest thing that we do, like the biggest value that we give to our clients is um, the translation of those reports of your profit and loss of your balance sheet of your cash flow statement is a translation, but you can't do that unless the bookkeeping is accurate, right? So everything we do, and even from the beginning, when I started this company 15 years ago to today, it has to start with accurate, accurate, accurate bookkeeping, because otherwise 
we're going to be looking at false reports and telling you the wrong interpretation of the numbers, right? So everything started with there. And it turns out that's where most business owners, you know, where, the, where their weaknesses is. It's just like they don't even, they don't have a very good bookkeeper, but they might not realize it. They might not realize that things should be done differently. They not be, might not be realizing how they should record things or how things are set up, all kinds of things. So everything starts with your basic the right bookkeeping, especially for the for the industry that you're in, because it's different per industry of how how the numbers should be set up. That has to be dialed in and perfected. We don't need to do that, but that needs to be done. We just can do that. And then, but beyond that is then okay. Now that we have this really good solid set of numbers, let's use it for the tool that it truly is. Almost like the gift that it is to you to really tell you emotionless what's going on with your business, and let's make the corrections. We talked a minute ago about your. Uh, a book. Yeah. Tell me about, uh, is is the book based on the same sort of stuff? Because I feel like that's the yeah. direction you're going with things. Yes, it is. So for, again, for my business, Spark Business Consulting, where we work with all kinds of industries and then we're bookkeeping, accounting, and consultants, right? So about seven years ago, I read a book called Profit First. And I would bet that some of your listeners may have heard of it because it is probably one of the number one best-selling business books in the world. So I read this book and um, I'll never forget. I was reading it. I was on vacation in Maine, Nogunquit, Maine. And I was, I'm not even kidding. I think I was maybe into chapter two and I leapt off my chaise lounge chair. I go running into my hotel room to pick up the phone and call the phone number that was like on the back of the book or wherever it was, which was Private First Headquarters and said, get me involved in this. Because as you, as you read through the book, it is a cash management system designed at the time for businesses, right? And it really... When I read like how it worked, and you get that from the first two chapters of the book, he definitely the author front loads everything, so you get it, and you're and it's just like this light bulb went off, and I remember everything come flooding into my brain at this moment of of, of what happened in my restaurant because it wasn't about us not making enough money, it wasn't about always wanting every night to be Saturday night, it was that we weren't managing the cash well. It was as simple as that. It's it's it doesn't matter presumably, whether you make $10 or $100 or $1,000, it's your business model and how you manage every dollar that comes in. So cash, so profit first, it tells you and teaches you how to implement this cash management system that utilizes every business owner's habit of bank balance accounting, which is simply logging into your bank account, looking about how much money you have in it and spending and deciding and making decisions based on the balance, right? So, you know, you log in, you're like, okay, I got 10 grand in the account. Great. I'm going to pay my rent. I'm going to make some payroll. I'm going to pay this, that, and the other thing. And you're going to spend 10 grand because that's what's in there. What, what the common, the most obvious business owner does not re realize is that they're spending their, their profit, their owner's pay, their taxes. There's a lot more in that, that bank account, that 10 grand, let's say you're looking at than just bill pay. The profit first, the system is simple. Instead of having one main bank account for everything you do for your business, you have five. Might sound crazy, but it's freaking genius. I'll just stay with me for a second here, right? You have five and you name them. You have your income account. It's where all your sales go into amount money, but piles up in that account all day long, income account. Then you have profit because no business can survive without profit. Let's just face it. It's not greed. It's just, you can't survive without it. Services debt does so many things. So profit is the very next one. Owners pay, owners taxes, because now we just made you a profitable business. That's a taxable event, and that's a good thing. And then OPEX, your operating expenses. So instead, when I was talking about, oh, $10,000, I get to spend it all, right? Instead of that, that $10,000 sitting in that income account, you now disperse it. 
Maybe I'll put 1,000 in my profit account. Maybe you took 2,000 in my owner's pay. Good, I should get paid. 1,000 in my taxes to cover what's coming. And then the remaining 7,000 in your OPEX. And now when you log on to that bank account and you look and there's seven grand, you can do what comes naturally. Oh, I got seven grand. I can pay my rent. I can make payroll. I could do this, that, and the other thing. Because that seven grand is really what you had to pay your bills, not 10. 10 included everything else that you just forgot about because you're so busy running the business. So, you know, this is a long-winded version of what Profit First, the book is. And I wrote the derivative for restaurants because that one's a little too simplified because restaurants have a lot of nuances to them. There's a lot more moving parts that we really need to dial in to be successful. So Profit First for Restaurants is the book that I wrote where I take that system and I Mac Daddy it up for restaurants, right? So I'm adding meals tax because nobody wants to go down that rabbit hole of being behind your meals tax, not your money to begin with. So let's just take it from that income account and move it to where it belongs. Then we have your food and beverage, your vendor's account, right? So if you think you're running a 30% food cost, well then put 30 cents on every dollar and that should be enough to pay your vendors. And guess what? There's not enough money in there. You're not running a 30% food cost. And wouldn't you rather know that now, the minute of, or the week of, rather than four weeks from now when maybe your books are closed and maybe they're accurate and maybe you look at your P&L? So you, it's immediate cash flow, and the same for your payroll account, and then the rest are the same. So I just added on three extra accounts, which is meals tax. Again, we got to get out of owing that. Uh, food and beverage, so your food costs, and then your labor account, and then the rest goes to your profit, owners pay, owners tax, and opex. It's as simple as that, but literally works miracles. Hey, see, that is absolutely amazing. I, I must admit, I have never read the book. Oh, you'll have to go get it. You'll I cannot. It. I cannot. It's, so it's you're fun. actually so so it's really. You have, so you actually have five separate accounts, like you have five bank yes. accounts. Yes, that is how- so, my, I, it makes so much sense. My my parent, my same my parents, my mom had a system. My um my family had businesses all the way back from from ever and ever and ever. I was the first person, you know, besides my dad going in the service and then coming out and joining the business that actually didn't start. I mean, I was with the business, of course, until I graduated. They made me go to college because they thought that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah. And But they had a system where she actually had envelopes, Casey. Yes. When I was a little, I mean, I was a little boy, I had envelopes. And that just sounds like to me exactly. That uh, is what. exactly. It is based. It's the envelope system for businesses grown up and using bank accounts because it leverages the behavior that all business owners already have, which is log into my bank account, see how much money I have and spend it. It, it just leverages Gosh. that behavior because no one's going to change that. We could stop right here if I wasn't, <laughs> if I was being selfish <laughs> I and I could it. leave and, and go get that book because I cannot, oh, because so when fun. you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, that sucks. I know what that is, but I do not do that anymore. So I'm like, but can you, I hope my face isn't red from thinking about that because I am, I am so grateful that you do that. So your book about profit first for restaurants, yeah. how, when is that, is it being published now? Or are you still in the process? Yeah, it's So it's available for pre-order, but it launches June 27th. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's pre-order now. We can do, do that through my website. And then you can get the regular profit first book that Mike McCallity is the original author that wrote that. I mean, obviously that's been out for years. So you can go get that. And I do recommend it's just so fun. He's hilarious. And even the audiobook, it's really funny. He's just a funny guy and very smart. But I mean, if you want to wait, you can just get my book on June 27th, but it is available for pre-order. Yeah. Okay. Good. So on your site, you tell me your website. So you can, I mean, I have a few, but it's either CaseyAnton.com. So that's okay. K-A-S-E-Y-A-N-T-O-N at, okay. a, oh no, just.com. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> dot com. Um, or um, 
sparkbusinessconsulting.com. You can get to it through there as well. And then I have Profit First for Restaurants. Okay, that's amazing. Well, I will definitely go. I'm gonna do that today. That's what that's. I'm excited. So excited. There is uh, there's Mr. Smith. Welcome. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you caught your connecting flight. <laughs> I got my connecting flight, and I, you know, it was delayed a couple of times due to weather. <laughs> oh, no, you look great. Oh, relaxed. thank you. Very relaxed. Nothing like a glass of water to get you straight. You know what I mean? That is awesome. That is awesome. Yep. And speaking of numbers, Doug, let me introduce you to our new friend, Casey Anton. Casey, please let me introduce you to Doug Smith, also known as Doug the Food Guy. Doug the Food Guy. Hi, Doug. Hey, Casey. It's so nice meeting you. Pleasure is mine. I like your hat. We're oh, we're talking you. about numbers. And I, numbers. I knew, that, I knew yep. that you would hear numbers and you'd be like, you would gravitate and hurry home as soon as you knew that I, we were talking about numbers. You know, there's nothing more exciting than working with a whole bunch of numbers and finding that one piece that you're like, why didn't I know that was either supposed to be or not supposed to be in the spreadsheet? Mm -hmm. Oh, a spreadsheet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Well, tell me about that. Well, actually, I'm one of my clients I'm working with right now that has a, uh, a rebate based off of their purchasing. And of course, it's got five or six if, ands, or buts, you know, you get paid on this, but not on that. Yeah. And you come up with the forecast and you come up with the, you know, theoretical at the end of the quarter, this is what we're expecting. And then you get the check in the mail and it's like 40 or 50% less expensive than you expected. Yeah. And of course, everybody's like, what, well, what do you mean? It's right. We check the numbers. It's right. But then the more you start digging into it, the more you start uncovering Oh, yeah, there was these two other account numbers that didn't get added to the quarterly. Oh, we accidentally had these five or six invoices that didn't get paid on that should have been paid on. And so that that's just, you know, part of what we do as consultants on the uh, compliance and contract side, just making mm -hmm. sure everything is right. Doesn't matter what it is. It just needs yep. to be right. I hear you. Doug, wow. When you came up, when you came up, uh, Casey has a new book that is on pre-order right now called Profit First for Restaurants. How timely is that? Oh, I like that. So that's pretty cool. That's yes. it. I'll give you the, we'll get, I, we'll, we'll have it on the pre-order. We'll put it on the site. We'll get her uh, website uh, and put a link on there to do that. I'm I'm so excited. She also talked about a book called Profit First that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that I have never read. I had to admit that, but, uh, but we'll put that on there too, because uh, that'll, that'll lead to Casey's book. Yeah, awesome. Great, awesome. Great book. So, uh, so Casey, uh, speaking of your website and speaking of some of the things, a couple of things I wanted to, just because when you asked where, and you were talking about. Oh, Connecticut. Connecticut, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah. Got it. In Connecticut. And one of the things I liked about what I saw on your site was about your core values and with the authentic enthusiasm, empathy, and kindness are the three that I picked out. But I think that, that those are, those appeal to me, but I noticed that you represent or have clients a lot that have the word wicked in their name. And I thought, you know, this, she's got to be from somewhere up near Boston. Okay. Yes. So obviously that's it. And you've already confirmed mm -hmm. that. So we actually have some mutual acquaintances that had just popped back up. I wanted to check and make sure is uh, one of them is the folks at Burton's Grill. We have a Burton's Grill here in Mount Pleasant and Anthony, you know, we know the guys from them down there. And the other one, which you'll love is, is Antonio Dialio. I can never say his last name. Oh, Antonio Lily's with Lily. Not even kidding. And, and he's in Boston, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. we all know Antonio. What a yeah, great guy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my he God. Is, he is so unique. Yep. Is his mom still in the kitchen cooking every day like, like she used to be? Or She 
was. So we had we were working with Antonio for a couple of years. We're not anymore. He has moved on um, sure. to a bigger, different, whole different system. He's really stepping it up. Like he's mm. he's conquering the world right now. At the time, I think his mom was taking a step back, but I think she was still there maybe one or two days a week. That's running the of, show. Yeah. Every time I spoke to him, it, it was one of those. Well, my mom's coming in to look at this, or she just left from looking at that, and you know, I like think it's a family run business so you got to have all hands on deck oh, but yeah. you know what a cool story you know they have there very cool and he's yeah he's a giant he is a giant yeah he's a terrific fellow and we know well you know we have known him for a while and he actually a funny quick thing talking about those connections and antonio uh the pasta company lilies of course is is mm -hmm. one of the the big users is stefano's down there in florence which is where doug is and that's one of our oh. uh, you know Anyway, that's, I just thought it was so, when I, when I looked at that, I thought, let me double check that. I thought, man, we are, it's so funny that it would be that far away. I know. Like intimately connected there all of a sudden. So. And just to put a little bow on that conversation, yeah. uh, we inter introduced him to Steve at Stefano's because, you know, they were changing distribution from multiple distributors to one. And he really had some goals he wanted to do for his authentic Italian restaurant. And one of them was to get back to like his wife, Anna used to make the homemade pasta and mm -hmm. they really needed something that fit that need. And here he comes in and just blows us away with all kinds of great opportunities. But the reason why I wanted to put a bow on this is Steve has actually been on the show and talked a little bit about how grow, you know, his dad and, you know, one side of the family was taken care of by the allies during world war II. One side of his family was taken care of by the Germans of World War II. Then afterwards, they all kind of blended together. And all of a sudden, you got, you know, what a cool story. And, and he told this oh whole God. story on our show, uh, what, about a year ago? It's it just, was a year, yeah. It's actually our number one show too. right now, yeah. Cool. Real, that's fascinating. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard that. Wow. I'm so glad that we made that connection. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of edit out some of the, my, you know, ex, over-exaggerating. I guess exaggerating, you can't really over-exaggerate. You don't exaggerate. So yeah. I'm so, uh, I saw something also, Casey, on your site about Spark Tank and oh. Spark Tank 2. Is that something you're so doing? Because I'm really liking your creativity and, and you're bringing a great energy to the to that number side of the world. Oh my God, thank you so much. So spark tank so we we're not it's not live right now so we did it mm -hmm. be before COVID. i think was the first time no 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 it wasn't it was like it was like during or right after um and we ended up choosing a winner they were down in dc and they were doing um basically employee kind of gift boxes because mm -hmm. right so everyone was going remote and they're trying to, and companies are trying to figure out a way to um get their em employees engaged so uh, I worked with them for a while. So they won Spark Tank. We worked with them for a whole year. We got them up and running and now they're kind of off on their own. They don't need to stay with us. So um, there's them. And then I tried to launch the second one, not with a lot of success because I only wanted to do the restaurant business. And here's the thing. I don't know if we had, a, we didn't have a wide enough reach or just restaurant tours were not reaching out in droves like I thought or hoped they would. And the few that we got, here's the thing, the their business model didn't work and the business model had to work for us. It has to work for them too, to be honest with you. As, you know, they're going to be in for, if they go forward with their business, it's not going to be a good thing. So part of what they have to fill out in terms of, of Spark Tank is really like, not just your typical business plan, but show us how the number is going to work, right? Show us, show us your break even, show us what it's going to cost you to make that burrito and who you're going to mm -hmm. need in the kitchen or whatever it is. 
And there wasn't a, there was no complete applications. I think it's probably the nicest way I can put that. Mm. And that was very eye-opening, which also I felt in a way kind of validated like, oh, I am glad I wrote this book because I mm -hmm. do think that it's going to help a lot of aspiring and current restaurateurs out there that are struggling, but can't, but just think their struggle is all about more sales when it most likely is not about sales. It's most likely about your business model just being broken or cash flow. And we can fix that pretty easily in the book. So, but Spark Tank, I love it. And we will do it again. I don't know when, because right now I'm just fixated on the book. So maybe mm -hmm. next year it'll come back out, but it basically is obviously a take on Shark Tank. We actually have some clients that were on Shark Tank, which is super fun to work with them. That's cool. It's just really, I feel like a lot of times we've, we've gotten pretty well known here in the Boston area of if someone says to somebody at a dinner party, Hey, I, you know, I have an idea for a new business. Oh, you got to go talk to Casey at Spark. Like, She's like the person. It's great. I love that. So I'm like, yeah, I love this stuff. I'll, they come in. I go up to the conference room. Yeah, tell me what you got. And I'm not even kidding. Nine and a half times out of 10, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not. And I actually, it's the first line of my book too, is like the running joke of my office is when someone comes in to pitch their business idea, I say, how soon do you think I could talk about it this one? And that's the, tr that's the truth. And it's not because I'm against restaurateurs or entrepreneurs anyways. I devoted my life to them. I love them. But when someone presents me the plan that's just clearly not going to work, meaning it's never going to be profitable and probably going to cost them millions of dollars and heartache and stress and heart attacks and whatever, I'm going to tell you to save you, to save you from yourself. That doesn't work. So more often than not, that's what I end up doing is just telling people your, your business doesn't, your doesn't work. Or it might work, but do you have half a million dollars in the bank? Do you have that? No, you got five dollars. All right, it's probably not gonna. What's and you can't borrow yourself into prosperity. There's just no way. <laughs> nope. 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 You can't. Always think about that. one of my mentors in the business. He would always say, "I love it when someone comes to me and says, I've got grandma's fried chicken recipe, and I'm gonna change the world.'" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. There is none other. There is none other. Because if everyone knew how awesome it was, everyone would be here, right? That's mm -hmm. that's how it works. That's how it. That's how the first three or four that I've dumped have. A, oh, this is great. I know what he's eating it. So there's only so much of you. There's only so much ranch dressing you can eat, Doug. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's exactly I've got right. extra. If you need me to send you some, Casey. I've got, and there's I've got so extra. much more in the restaurant industry than having a great recipe. I mean, oh. they're just, that's just one of a thousand things you have to have. It's the last thing you need to know how to do to open a restaurant is cook. Very true. Mm -hmm. that, that's strong. So uh, thinking about restaurants, Casey, do you have a favorite restaurant and do you have a least favorite restaurant? Oh, I can say that. Um, uh, well, you, so, if you don't you know, want to. <laughs> well, we, we won't hold your feet to the fire. Oh, no. okay. So we talk uh, about this. You know, I probably have a lot of favorites, but when you say that, I mean, I do have a lot of favorites, but when you say that, you know, the first restaurant that comes into my head is Burton's, not even kidding. Oh, nice. That's nice. And here's, and, and, it, and I'm sure there are better, whatever you deem better as restaurants out there. I mean, I, my restaurants in Boston were very high end and, and, you know, I lived that lifestyle of going to the, you know, new bougie place that was opening. So I've been around, I've been in Manhattan, I've been everywhere, Chicago, great restaurant mm -hmm. scene. I, I love Burton's. <laughs> I'm not even a chain fan, right? But it's just so, they just do it right, right? It's it's consistent. They give a shit, sorry. They care. They, you you know, what's and, it's, and they're not perfect. I mean, I, and honestly, I mean, mine's like a mile from here. So I am there quite often. But when something does go awry and it does, 
they fix it. They own, they own it and they fix it. It's as simple as that. There's just so many things. I love the consistency. I love how I can feel that they care about the atmosphere and the takeout and, and you as a person, I there's so many things that they just do right there that I wish more places would model. Um, so that just, that just comes in my head as one of the best. Now you don't have to tell about the one oh, you don't like God, it. That, that would that have been was, fun. You know, it's funny. People ask me that all the time. Tell and me you have one? not to go eat. And I'm like, I don't want to touch that one. No. Oh, <laughs> well, so let's let so let me switch it up. Let me let me call yeah. an audible. Let's say red 23. <laughs> let me call an audible here. So uh you've eaten a lot of foods, you've mm. tasted a lot of different cuisines. Mm -hmm. Tell me what is the one meal or even just individual food that you've eaten that it seems like you wonder why everyone doesn't eat it. Oh, I wonder why everyone doesn't eat this one thing. There's so it, many. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a fried peanut butter and banana sandwich. It can be something that you've eaten like why your taste. No, I don't like that thing. We actually let me I'm going to pause that. So okay. there's a question I generally that we generally will ask and mm -hmm. it, it just didn't frame up. Right. As I asked what as a restaurateur. Um, what is the one food that you serve that it seems like everybody eats? And what is the one food that you wonder why it doesn't blow it away on the menu? One thing they serve that everybody eats. Um, As an example, we had a we had a, a great guy, Jimmy Feeman was on, and he said that uh, the chocolate chip cookie, he has no bake cookie dough. And he said that 50% of his business is chocolate chip. That's that's no matter what where where they are Chattanooga no matter where they are, and he said he has one called brownie batter. He said is the most delicious stuff that you've ever eaten, but he just people just don't want to eat brownie batter. Yeah, I so that, that could be that could be a dud, it that. could be a dud question, and that's okay. I I have the authority and ability to cut this part out. Oh my god, <laughs> <Which> I will. <laughs> so, um, so here's here's an example of Tom rambling on and trying to dig a hole and dig deeper oh, to get cool i can answer anything i can come up with it um you know it, it's but the first thing i am a meat and potatoes girl right like i just mm. always have been and i love like well done simplicity so i think i have a couple answers like the first one would really be like how everyone does not enjoy a perfect and a perfectly cooked prime new york sirloin is beyond me but there are vegetarians out there so i can't like right so and i'm not against if you're a vegetarian I think that's great so first of all, so obviously like a fantastic, there's nothing that beats a fantastic New York sirloin, if you ask me, is certainly in terms of the meat world. But if I want to speak to vegetarians, one thing that I don't understand why people do not, would not gravitate to toward an order are black truffles or even white truffles, but those are much rarer. So let's go to black truffles, which are a little bit easier to get. That is the most amazing and distinguished flavor and unique that if you and I actually have like a like almost like a miniature recipe in the book of this too, um, just because I think it makes such sense to especially if you're a higher end place to have a side dish of mm -hmm. like a black truffle linguine. It is Ooh. simple. It is delicious. It smells amazing. You can pile up like, for example, you know, if you're ordering like an a la carte and a side and you want something that's visually beautiful and smells great and maybe is steaming in a dining room and you can take it home for leftovers, it actually take almost better, if not the same, the next day for lunch, doing just a linguine with black truffles and some olive oil. It, to me, it's 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 perfect. It's simple. Perfect. I love it.
You know, you mentioned the word simple uh, multiple times in that yeah. description. And I immediately think of one of my chef mentors. He used to always say, keep it simple. Let the food shine. Yeah. Keep it simple. So agree make, with that. Let the food shine. Pick good, good ingredients and highlight them. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about that prime New York. Yep. Wow. Uh, you know, in my refrigerator right now, I have some prime flat iron steaks. Ooh. And I, I, that I'm envisioning too. that for supper tonight, you know little saute in the uh, cast iron pan with a little mm -hmm. olive oil and maybe some uh, fresh herbs and just let it all shine. Just thinking some chimichurri with that. Oh my God. Ooh, mm. there, see, mm -hmm. there you go. There you go. You don't have to get much hungry. fancier than that. Do you? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh, I love it. So what time y'all coming over? <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's going to be a heck of a drive. It's, it's yeah, better than going. It's, it is. It's, Closer than San Diego, just let me tell Let's you Let's just say that was a safe question, so I felt good about throwing it out there. I still got to come pick up that sous vide, your immersion <laughs> heater there. So uh, Doug, Doug and I are working on a secret plan to try using the immersion heater that, uh, that creates the sous vide to uh we're gonna oh. try it on some uh he's got one uh, one that i'm gonna try and i know we've got some new dishes that we're gonna work on he has uh, an amazing steak line that he works with his other there it is with his other business <laughs> look at that that's a are you sure it's not your curling iron yeah, it could be a curling iron but we're going to use it as a sous vide device wow i want to hear how that goes well, we, well, well let's we, just we start off by saying all natural grass-fed prime beef bone-in, ribeye. Did I say dry-aged? You did. Yes. So In the sous vide? We're going to give it a shot, and then we're going to uh, take it out and put a little sear on it. Oh, okay, good. All right. Yeah, okay. you got to sear it. You got to right. get, that's get a little caramelization like, going. That seems a little weird, but okay. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're pretty <laughs> thick steaks. Yeah. So with the bone-in, they're pretty thick, and you yeah, do a little sous vide and Bring them out of the cryvac and then throw them on the grill just long enough to put a little I char on them. I hear how that goes. It's a, we will document it. We'll definitely Please. document it. So, there could be so, some videos involved, for sure. There, and there will be some eating, guarantee, I guarantee that. So, <laughs> yeah. Casey, quick yeah. quick thing. I noticed you're a football nut. Yeah. And you, you have a favorite team that I shall not ever say their name in my house. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Grown up, so you can see I'm a Falcons fan, even though this is the Braves hat. So, uh, mm -hmm. so tell me what, what, what got you in the, the football deal? You know, I just, in childhood, I remember, you know, my dad worked a lot and had like, you know, just other activities. I remember not seeing my dad a lot, but every Sunday during football season, I didn't know where to find him, right? He was in his big leather chair, football on all day. And if I wanted to be, you know, have my dad's attention to be around my dad, I would lay on the couch and usually like fall asleep or whatever, but I would lay on the couch. And so I just remember the sounds of the games and the announcers, you know, I'll never forget just always in my head. And I grew up with that. And then as I got to understand the game more, especially in high school and college, and I started to really understand it, I just got, I'm, I'm competitive by nature. I don't play sports, but I just, I'm fascinated by the games and by the strategies and the rules and everything about it. So it just started with my dad. And then I just ended up, understanding it, falling in love with the, with the sport of football. And then come to, I don't know how this happened, but in my restaurant in Boston, um, the youngest craft. So, so uh, Bob Kraft, he's the gentleman that owns the Patriots. Right. So his son lived in the building right in front of mine. He used to come to my restaurant all the time. And um, we were both in our twenties and we were young. So I got to know him 
pretty well. Um, I went to be good friends. I, I've been to the craft home. I have um, flew on the team jet to Buffalo. So then this wow. was getting me even more entrenched. And then his dad, Bob, and his wife, she's now deceased, Myra, um, would come to my restaurant a few times and I got to know them. And honestly, unless they were putting on a show, they were the nicest people I've ever met. They were so, wow. they were so, they literally of all of the, you know, the, the guests we'd had come to, the, this couple was just so generous and gracious and lovely to every staff member, including myself. And I just loved it. And they would invite me to things at Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. And so it just, it, you know, became more and more entrenched. And I ended up going with them to the Super Bowl um, when it was in Jacksonville. Oh, it was wow. 2001. And it was, um, yeah, that was, that was quite a game. And yeah. And so then, of course, we had the dynasty, right? So I was, you know, really involved with, you know, with the Kraft family and, and the Patriots while we were winning all of those Super Bowls and always in the playoffs and stuff. So I just had a long, I had a long, great road of being a football fan, especially here in New England. Uh, I think it's over. <laughs> over now. Well, but you know, know it's a rebuilding year. Isn't that what it's they call a, yeah, it? Yeah, we've been saying that for a little while. Yeah, it's a rebuilding. That's it's a rebuilding not... decade, I think. Yeah. Well, you probably feel my pain as a Packer fan then. Oh, I do. That was my dad's favorite team were the Packers. Well, you know, being from South Carolina, we really never had a professional team, so you could pick anyone you, you wanted. Could, yeah, I like that. But I just chose college forever. And then mm -hmm. in my career as a food service broker, there was a, a, a trip that I helped participate raising funds for called the Cheesehead Promotion. And we'd take a group of salespeople up to Green Bay, tour a cheese facility, tour Lambeau Stadium, and wow. then see a football game. And you know, I always tell people, it doesn't matter who your favorite team is. If you go and get immersed in Green Bay, you'll either respect the heck out of them or they'll become your favorite team. They just became my favorite team. Because oh of my it. God. That's on my bucket list. And I have a very short one because I've been fortunate enough to do most of the things on mine, but going to Lambeau Field is one of them. Yep. You got to do it. And oh, now you know, I'm the one thing that will that. just blow you away is everybody you run into there. I mean, it's, you can tell their blood runneth green and gold. Uh, and they all have stories of when their first child was born, they ran to the social security office to get the uh, number so they could run to Lambeau and put their name on the waiting list. So by the time they were 20 or 21 years old, they'd be able to get season tickets. And, oh my God. It's absolutely true. I mean, it's, it's just wow. the way it was. So, and, and you hear story after story and, you know, they just, and I believe these people are even unpaid. They lead you through the stadium and, and it treats it like their living room. I mean, it's awesome. Can't wait to go. I'm so glad you said that. All right. It's going back at the top of the list. Everybody loves winners, man. And everybody loves people that care. Yeah. I'd gravitate. If some, if I know oh, this person's got a caring heart, I'm going to be gravitating to them. So that, that seems like it'd be like a whole, like a whole tribe of people that would be fun to be around. Mm -hmm. A uh, little advice, fly into Milwaukee. Okay. Because even though Green Bay has a uh, really nice airport, yeah. just keep in mind on day one, you have it maybe two, 300 people a day going through it. And on day two, you got 80,000 people going, trying to go through it. It's not a good deal. So go to Milwaukee, enjoy a nice cold beer somewhere and then uh -huh. drive into Green Bay. That's the best way to do it. Okay. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Okay. That's awesome. Awesome. So I I'm amazed that we're already uh, almost at an hour Mm. and it, it has flown by and uh, Casey what I would love to know yeah uh, two final things I say ab about you number one is uh, where would people out in your community Boston 
uh, or whatever you call the area that is Boston, mm -hmm. uh, where do where would people find Casey Anton? Where would you be? What would you be up to? I'll be out in the restaurant scene down here. So I live in the South Shore. I mean, I, honestly, I need to get back into Boston more, you know, Boston proper. I am old and lazy, so that's probably why I don't, but I should. <laughs> and I say that because I know there's like a whole, you know, burgeoning scene right now of, of new restaurants opening up and kind of coming out of the whole COVID pandemic and using all that free money that was available. Um, so I know there is, but, um, I just never, and literally it's like 15 minutes from here, but I just don't get there because the traffic will make it three hours to get there. But here, even in the local, I live, so I live in the South shore, which is also on the ocean. Um, there are some really great restaurants. So even tonight I'm going to Almanove, which is Mark Wahlberg's brother's place. So I'll mm. be going there. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that. Try and at least go to a new, preferably locally owned restaurant two or three times a week with myself or my kids. And then um, I'm actually coaching lacrosse for the first time. I know nothing about that game. Don't tell anybody, wow. but they needed girls lacrosse coaches. And I'm like, I always wanted to be a coach. I thought I was going to be a football. I well, you're a leader. Of, so there I, you go. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it, Doug, because I thought I even wrote down years ago that I was going to be the first female NFL coach. And that ship has sailed, but thank God it did. Good for them. But I thought I was going to be a coach of an NFL team. So now I'm going to coach girls lacrosse. Um, and then lastly, you'll find me at the high school because this first year I am uh, teaching an entrepreneurial course, which they didn't even have. And they uh, let me kind of get in on this business class that people will use kind of as like a study hall. But I got in there and I we're opening a business together. We're opening the snack shack at our athletic fields. And I am making these freshmen, sophomores and juniors. And there's some seniors, a mixed class really helped me develop this and, and design it. And it's been a blast. So. Please tell me you're going to do P&Ls and make them balance checkbooks and things like oh, that. Yes. We awesome. were working on projections just the other day and a little, you know, some eye rolls here and there. But I mean, they are teenagers. But but I mean, I was excited. I was jumping up and down for them. And I think a few of them were like, OK, I think I get what she's putting down here. I made it kind of fun. I developed a whole like spreadsheet workbook that they can kind of work their way through. And the way we think about it, like, all right, well, like. How many parents? And it's Saturday. You know, there's going to be grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles. Let's add some more. And we really get them thinking about the numbers. So, I mean, I get super excited about it. a few of them. I think we're into it. They like the other stuff, though. We were talking about theme and and culture and values and things like that. That was that was a good lesson. Well, everybody needs to have a specialty. So when it comes to writing the business plan, someone has to design the uh, dining room and the light fixtures and the oh, flow yeah. of the kitchen and there's the person behind the scenes that's doing the math to say we got to get 20 percent more covers yep. thing work that's right yep you're preaching you're preaching now Doug. so i appreciate so much this opportunity to meet you casey i'm so glad i was able to introduce you to doug here in the future would you mind if we kept up with you and maybe had you back on after your book oh my of, god uh, kidding would me you mind? i love it i would love yeah. it this is fun i could do Great. this all I day like i said that book gets out i'm ready to take a look at it it's gonna be oh, a real turner please do it should be fun lots of stories lots of before and afters from restaurants we have helped so it's it's good i think it's good wouldn't so it be nice cool wouldn't you. it be cool doug if we were in the food business too That'd be cool. You know, we should probably think about doing that. Uh, <laughs> I think we're, I think I'm going to get into the food business now. Uh, I'm going to finish this off by saying, you know, I'm in the food industry. I don't make much money, but boy, do I eat well. Ah, that's all that counts. <laughs> that's awesome. Cheers from awesome. Florence. Cheers from Charleston, Casey. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you both. Have a great weekend. Too now. Thank you.